Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we love you and we thank you for this morning. We pray that you would prepare our hearts now for the preaching of the word, your word. We ask God that you would give us ears to hear it and eyes to see it, to know that this word is your truth, that it would convict us of our sins and yet give us strength and life and faith to come to you as God, as Father, as Lord. We thank you, God, for this great morning. We love Sundays. We ask your blessing upon our time now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would, please, turn in the Bible to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible, that's okay. Page 919 in the Pew Bible there in front of you. Page 919 in the Pew Bible there in front of you. Mark chapter 1. One of the great things about uh, having children is that there's never a dull moment. I'm sure you've heard that before. There's never a dull moment, truly. A lot, lot going on. Uh, sometimes that's like the undoing of the parents, but sometimes it's fun. Like, there are so many games that we can play at the dinner table. You know, if we're out to eat, you can play like paper football, you know, you hold up the goal and flick the football through there. I've taught them that one. You can do salt and pepper shaker, slide it across the table, who can get it closest to the edge. Um, you can use a coin, play soccer or hockey using a coin, getting it into the goals. There's, there's those type of games. That's when you're out somewhere. Um, there's spitballs through the straw, which we try hard not to do. But there's all types of games we play at home, too, like I Spy or... Uh, the, game, the game Telephone, where one person starts something, you go around the table, everybody knows about that game. and It's just a lot of fun. You get, to do, you get to do all of those. There's never a dull moment, even in eating dinner. Now, obviously, never play those games if your kids aren't eating. But if you can eat and play a game and have a good time together, then, then let's do it. At least that's how it is at our house. And, you know, playing that game Telephone where you, you say something... Uh, it, it's almost predictable how it's going to go. So we, we say, Noah, you can go first. You, you think of anything you want to say, and then you pass it to the next person. And Noah says, okay, and he, he whispers over to J.J. J.J. goes to Eli. Eli passes it on to me. I pass it to Valeria. Valeria gives it to Carolina, which is almost default to ruin the game. And then it comes back to Noah, and let's see if that's what it is. And it comes out like, Daddy's stronger than Hulk. And everybody looks at Carolina and says, that's not what it was. Oh, sorry, I love Daddy. <laughs> well, that's not what it was either. So we say, Noah? Is that what you said? Don't tell us what it is. Is that what you said? Noah said, no, that's not what I said. So, all right, well, let's, let's backtrack. Let's see who messed this message up. Val, did you tell her that Daddy's stronger than Hulk? No, that's not what I said. 
Did you tell her that you love daddy? No, that's not what I said. Okay. Then it comes back to the next one, which would be me. And I say, no, that's not what I said either. And we go over here to Eli. Eli, is that what you said? No, no, no. Okay. JJ, is that what you said? No, it's not what I said. So we're all, now we're all the way back to JJ, or, or Noah, who started it. And we say, Noah, we don't know where it went wrong because everybody's saying that's not what they said. Nobody's at least admitting that they messed up the message. What was it? And Noah says, who would win in a fight? between a lion and a tiger. I think the tiger would win. That was his message. That's what he whispered. And somewhere along the line, it ended up what it was. And the way you try to figure it out is you go, okay, well, what, did you say that? No, did you say that? Did you say that? And you start going everything. And then once you realize, well, first of all, nobody's going to say it. But the problem in messing up the message is not what was said, but what was heard right so when you ask is that what you said that's not getting to the problem because they may have said who would win in a fight between a lion and a tiger and the other person heard something about hulk and daddy now how that happens with a bunch of kids around the table i don't know but that's how it typically goes but after all of the confusion and your hands are thrown up what do you do you go back to the source and you say noah what did you actually say? Because we're never going to figure this thing out. The, the whole fun of the game is what was the message, right? You've played before. The, the peak of the game, the, the, oh, that was awesome, of the game is when you actually hear from the source what they said. That's when the game, after you hear that, it's, it's basically over. Okay, who wants to start this time? The source. And as a church... I want to make sure not that y'all believe Pastor Josh Green. And I want to make sure not that you were raised in church. And I want to make sure not that your mom and dad taught you well. I hope we do all those three things. But I want to make sure you know the source. And you know what the source actually said. And you are dealing with the source. Or else, on a big, adult, mature, religious discussion scale, we're like some kids playing telephone. Where one person said something, you kind of thought you believed it, but you heard differently, and then you passed it on. And if you didn't hear what the source said, and you tried to tell the next person, you know they're in the clouds, right? And if they didn't hear what that person said about what the source said, then you know when they try to tell somebody, they're in the clouds. And if that person didn't hear what that person said, didn't hear what that person said, didn't hear what the source said, then what do you think they are believing about what the source said? No idea. And no wonder. We got a whole lot of confusion on our hands in the name of Jesus. So, today, we're going to keep it very simple, yet very to the point. And you can leave today thinking whatever you think. But I ask and I have been praying that you would hear what the source says, that you would know what the source says, and that you would deal with it. I'm asking today... What 
did Jesus preach? What was Jesus' message? You know that everything that's under the umbrella of Christianity and church should be coming from the source, right? I think everybody knows that. Everything in the world that is under the name of Jesus, under the church, under Christianity, under all of that, should be coming from the source. So that's what we want to do today, go back to the source. Read with me in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. So Jesus proclaimed the gospel, God's gospel. Gospel just means good news, I think you know that. The message does not say that Jesus just came with good news so that we can define that good news however we want to. He came with God's good news. He came with the gospel of God. He came proclaiming the gospel of God. This is God's gospel. This is God's good news. Okay, well that's a blanket statement from Mark. That ultimately is the source of the word of God as Mark is telling it to us. It is still not the source of the Word of God as Jesus tells it to us. Now, I do want you to know, just as a little side point, the red letters in your Bible are on the same level as the black letters in your Bible. The red letters in your Bible are the words of Jesus. The black letters in your Bible are the words of Jesus inspiring people to write it. Make no distinction That's why my last Bible had red letters, and I finally said, I'm getting more confused by the red letters. So my new Bible doesn't have red letters. Nothing wrong with red letters, but I want you to know that the Word of God is the Word of God. All right? The whole thing. So, verse 15, now Mark, being inspired by by God, tells us what Jesus said. So here, in this one little verse today, we are at the source. And if you walked in here today and you could never quote Jesus, you're going to be able to by the end of today. Today, by noon, you will be able to quote Jesus. Your Jesus, your Lord, the maker, God, creator, savior, died on the cross, risen from the grave. That Jesus, you can quote him today at verse 15. Here's how he proclaimed God's good news. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's a good verse. That's a good verse. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. I'm I'm so encouraged that we're going to preach through the gospel of Mark because we're going to get so many doses of going back to the source. We're going to hear what Jesus is saying just like we are here. And I want you to see in this little verse is a whole world of truth and important truth, saving truth according to God. I want today in our little bit of time to explain this verse, verse 15, And then I want to spend a lot of time on what it means to repent and what it means to believe. I want us to look at the who, what, when, where, and why of repenting. Who repents? What is repenting? When do we repent? Where do we repent? And why do we repent? That's what I want to get across today. Legan Duncan, speaking on being with the source, says, Jesus gives the marching orders in his church. 
Not the people, not the world, not the culture. Jesus gives the marching orders to his church. And so we do really well today to come to the source and listen. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God, and here's what he said The time is fulfilled. All he's meaning here is that it's go time. The Savior is here. All of history, as you know, has been looking for a Savior. That's the history of the world. Who is going to rescue us? Who is going to save us from our sins? Or better, what is the solution to my sin problem? Hey, I know that in and of myself, I'm not good and right and perfect. I know that there is a God. How do I get right? That's the great question. And Jesus is the fulfillment of that. So he says, the time is fulfilled. Remember when Jesus met the lady at the woman at the well and Jesus was talking to her in John chapter 4 about that and she said, I know that one day a Savior will come. This lady at the well, desperate and longing in her life, tangled in sin, knew in her head that one day God would send a Savior, that the world would end, that things would be made right, that, that there is hope. She knew that, but she didn't know what it was or what she was looking for. Jesus here says, the time is fulfilled. What your souls have been longing for, what you've been searching for is now here. It is time. The Savior is here. The time is fulfilled. God had a plan and now God is fulfilling his plan. God had a plan to create a people and save them out of their sins through the forgiveness, through Jesus, through the death, burial, and resurrection. And now he's here. It's about to happen. The time is fulfilled. The next thing he says is the kingdom of God is at hand. In that longing was a looking for the kingdom. They knew that God was king, but how would they know when they were actually in that kingdom? When would they be fully in the know, in the understanding of, hey, I'm, I'm in the kingdom. God's my king and I'm his child. I'm, I'm living in the kingdom. And there was always like a little bit of a, of, of a mystery about that. I know we want it. I know God's king. But when will it be an experienced kingdom? When Jesus appeared, it was here. Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king of the universe. And anybody who knows Jesus to be king or believes Jesus to be king or bows down to Jesus as king of the universe is therefore in the kingdom. The kingdom is here. Now, there's a, there's a real sense that it's already not yet. Okay, we're not fully in the kingdom where he's done away with this earth. He's dealt with sin. There's been a judgment. And now all we know is the kingdom. But while living here on earth under the curse, still with sin happening in the world and the gospel advancing, there is a kingdom. The kingdom of God is advancing. Jesus is king right now. And if you will bow your knee to him and say, you are Lord and Savior, I love you, be my king, he will be your king. And you'll be in the kingdom. The kingdom of hands is here. We're no longer looking. We're no longer confused. We're no longer waiting for more answers. The king is here. So therefore, the kingdom of God is here. God has sent his king. The Bible says he is king of kings. He is king of everything. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow to Jesus. Every single knee will bow down to Jesus one day. So the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, he probably didn't do this. He probably didn't have one of those handheld megaphone things. But he made it clear I'm the one you ought to be listening to. He made it clear, I'm the source. He made it clear, I've got the answer. 
He made it clear, I have the words of eternal life, to quote the Apostle Peter when Jesus questioned him. He made it clear what what God Almighty, the Father in Heaven, had said in verse 11 when Jesus was baptized. You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. He made it clear. And so, just like them that day, and just like us today, we are aware Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world is here. Behold, the one who has come and therefore the time is fulfilled is here. Behold, the one who in his coming has brought in the kingdom of God. He's here. We will listen. We love the source. So so at that point, what did he say? And it was short. This is what I love about Christianity. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be smart at all. You don't have to be somebody that reads lots of books, although I'd recommend for you to be a reader. You don't have to be. You don't have to be somebody that's gone to high school and graduated. You don't have to be somebody that's gone to college and graduated. You don't have to be somebody that knows a lot. You don't have to be somebody that was raised with great parents that taught you to go to church. You don't have to be somebody who keeps themselves clean and has never gotten in trouble and learned the hard way. His message, the Creator's message, the Lamb of God's message, the Savior of the world's message, the dead and risen Jesus' message is very short and simple. It is repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe. And we must make sure we get it. We must make sure we understand that. And and, and so you see how my telephone illustration at the beginning is supposed to be helpful. If you are, okay, the source is here. Clouds, bigger clouds, storm clouds, crazy Midwest storm clouds. If you're this confused about God, Jesus, truth, salvation, religion, you're like, I don't know what to think. I mean, I know that there's people over here and they believe this. and, And right here in Fairdale, there's all these different churches and Man, I hear about King James Version, NIV, Josh preaches from this. I, man, I don't know what to think, right? You hear people say all that. Not to mention, hey, I've got some friends that are in other religions, and they really are some of the most peaceful, sweetest people I've ever met. Not to mention, man, my grandpa never went to church every day in his life, and he's the nicest man I've ever known. He'd give you a shirt off his back. If you're, if you're over there and you're in the clouds, you're so far away from the source that you're not sure how to even think about the source. You're not even sure if he is the source. You're not even sure if the source is believable anymore. Can you imagine in telephone going back to Noah? Listen to me. Noah, what did you say? He said, well, here's what I said. Who would win in a fight between a lion and a tiger? I believe it would be the tiger. Can you imagine going, that's not what you said. No, no, no. See, see, see I, that's not what you said. See, I, I've seen a lion before, and, and there's no way that could be true, Noah. Well, I've, I've seen a fight before. There's this video on YouTube where they have a lion and a tiger fighting. And, and, and I know that's not what you said, Noah. That's what the world is made up of today. People who are way over here in the clouds try and tell the source what the source said. Scary. So we go back to the source and he says, very simple, repent and believe the gospel. Let me tell you the gospel in four simple points. If you would, please memorize them. Number one, God is holy. God is holy. 
There is but one God. He is the maker. He is good all the way through. From everlasting to everlasting, He is God. He owns it all. He made it all. He's in charge of it all. He's sovereign. The Bible says that He is love. He is good. He is happy. He is judge. He is rightly angered at sin. He does not sin. He is perfect. He could not sin. He is holy. Next, the Bible says that people are sinful. We have sinned against God. Now, sin works its way out in a whole bunch of different ways. Some of y'all are the nicest people I've ever met, but you're sinful. Some of y'all are the worst people I've ever met, and you're sinful. People are sinners. Everybody is. And for that very reason, not one person in this room has a right to point the finger. Not one person in this room has a right to get up high and look down on anybody. The Bible says that God judges the heart. The Bible says that God looks on the inside. The Bible says that God knows what's going on with us more than we know what's going on with us. Experience tells me that a lot of pretty people where everything looks good are hurting on the inside. And experience also tells me that some of the most troubled looking people are right there focused on Jesus. Jesus tells a parable that says, one man cried out, God have mercy upon me, and couldn't even look to heaven. God said he was saved. The other man was over here all clean and right and told God all that he did, and God said that he was not saved. Everybody's a sinner. We need to make sure that we understand that. But that means we've got a big problem on our hands. That does not mean that we're all okay, we're all in the same boat, don't think about it. No, that means the contrary. That means that it is a bad situation. A holy God and sinful people, we've got a big problem. And I need everybody to realize that this is a problem. You need to realize this is a problem. You need to realize that as your kids are growing up, they're in the problem. And the older they get, the worse the problem's going to be. And the closer you get to dying, the more serious the problem is. And you also know that you don't die at a certain age. So closer to dying, it's like... We have a problem on our hands. But God has the answer to the problem. And it's not in us. It's not in what we're going to do or how we're going to fix it. It's not. It's not in our best effort. It's in his love. And he loved us in such a way that he sent the answer. And the answer is Jesus. The answer is a person. The answer has a name. It's Jesus. And Jesus is God. And he's perfect. And he is sinless. And therefore, if God kills his son for us, then there is hope. And we can look at Jesus dying on the cross and we can say, God, not because of righteous works done in me, not because of anything I've done, but because of Jesus dying and coming back to life, I ask God for you to forgive me. And God says, I can do that because Jesus died. He doesn't say, well, I can't do that. You know, that'd be, that'd be, I wouldn't be just. Well, I can't do that. You've messed up too much. No, because of Jesus, and that's the only way, because of Jesus, he can. He can do to you salvation. He can do to you forgiveness. He can give you new life. He can make your dead inner side, inside come alive, which he does. He can make your dead and sinful heart be new and be alive, which he does, because of Jesus. Jesus is the answer. He died to give us life, but that's the third point, Jesus is the answer. The fourth point is what is putting it on you. You must respond to that. You cannot be the person who says, yeah, I know all that. And it seems like I know so many people who know those three things. They may not really get them. They may not really think about them. They may not embrace them. But they know that. Hey, God's God. I'm not perfect. Jesus is the Savior. They haven't responded to it. We have to be people on this side with our sins who look at Jesus on the cross and say, he died because of my sins. And, and I need that. 
We have to be people who, who bow our knee and say, God, forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus did that for me. I believe he's Lord. God, forgive me of my sins. And in asking for forgiveness, we go to him. And we want our lives to be with him because he loves us. Because he's the answer. So it's God is holy. People are sinful. That's a problem. Jesus is the answer to the problem. And number four, you have to respond to that. You have to come to him with faith and repentance. That's the gospel. That's the good news. The good news for somebody over here who's living their lives, don't know God, in their sins, regardless how bad or deep that is, in their sins, dead in their heart to God, that person, okay, that person hears that God loves them through Jesus and says, that's the best news I've ever heard. That, that is good news. And they say, I want that. You mean you're going to forgive me on your account, not on mine? You mean you didn't tell me to walk down these stairs and walk up these stairs and walk this aisle and pray this prayer and get baptized? You're not going to tell me to do all of these different things? No, I'm going to tell you to surrender yourself to Jesus and believe that what he did on the cross is what God's done. That is good news. Jesus paid it all. Do you believe it? Will you respond by saying, God, forgive me of my sins, and I believe in Jesus. And the Bible says if we do, we're saved, but we have to respond. That's why it's such good news. It's such good news. That's why here it says he was proclaiming the gospel of God. He was proclaiming it. Make no mistake about it. Jesus was a preacher. Jesus was one with a ministry. He walked up and down the streets, and he had something to say. And his message, going back to the source, was very clear. And was it the most helpful thing in the history of the world? Absolutely it was. Was it the most loving thing that anybody could possibly do? Yes, it was. You will never find another human being on the planet more loving than Jesus. And his message was, repent and believe. Oh, how he loves us. But that's his message. So let's not miss the source. So if that's his message, to repent and believe the gospel, I'm asking you today, have you done that? And I'm asking you today, along with that, are you doing that? Are you somebody who's repenting of your sins? Are you somebody who is believing the gospel? Are you? Because I, I am passionate, we are passionate, God is passionate, that that's the only type of real church. And everything else that, that is happening in and around and through our church that is not people repenting and believing in the gospel is either wrong or is in the process of getting us there. God is calling you, the source is calling you to be somebody who repents and believes the gospel. So, I want to ask who, what, when, where, and why. And I was even going to add how, who, what, when, where, why, and how, but I learned that how and what are basically the same thing. So who, what, when, where, why, and how repents and believes the gospel? Well, I think you know that the Bible's for everyone. God loves the whole world, okay? The message is for everyone. And so, who should repent and believe? And I'm going to say everybody. It's for everybody. Everybody in the world can hear the gospel of God and understand that they need to repent and believe the gospel. Everybody in the whole world can hear the gospel of God, the good news, and understand, I need to do that. I'm not right. Everybody that you know needs to know they need to repent and believe. 
Everybody in your life needs to know and needs to hear they need to repent and believe. What makes us a good church or a bad church, or rather a healthy church or unhealthy church to make it more clear, is whether we help people understand that they need to repent and believe the gospel. Your approval rating of me may be determined by a lot of different things. But God's approval rating of me is whether I am helping people see they need to repent and believe the gospel. And when God judges me with that stricter judgment that he talks about, and when God judges me with that double judgment that he talks about in the Bible because I am speaking on his behalf now, it will be on whether I helped you repent and believe the good news of Jesus. It is that important. Who's it for? It's for everybody. Why can we say that it's for everybody? Because everybody has sinned against God. See, everybody, whether you're born here or born somewhere else, whether you have a Bible or whether you don't have a Bible, whether you've heard of God or not heard of God, whether you've done good or done bad, whether you've ruined your life or whether you're on the fast track to success, everybody has sinned against God. See, that number one, God is holy, and that number two, people are sinful, is absolutely universal. Every God in the world is holy. There's only one. Every person in the world is sinful. All of us. All of us. So who's the message for? All of us. Who will repent? In, 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 in Romans chapter 3, where it says in verse 23... For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Do you know what it says right before that, the very line above it? For there is no distinction among humans. There's no distinction at all. Well, you say, well, I grew up in the Bible Belt. And somebody else says, well, I grew up in the jungle. Because those are two real situations. Guess what? For as different as they might be in some things, you get inside here, so much alike. So much alike. Hearts that have sinned against God. There is no distinction. Who should repent and believe the gospel? Everybody should. Who can? Everybody can. I encourage you here today, whether you've been here a lot or whether you've been here your first time, whether you're raised in church, whether you're 100 years old, to be somebody who repents and believes the gospel. Next, what? What is repenting? What is repenting of our sins? Repenting is... Acknowledging your sins, being convicted of your sins, and then turning away from your sins. Okay? It is an acknowledging of my sin, it is a conviction over my sin, and it is a turning away from my sin. So let's say that we're living our lives this way, whether you're 10 or whether you're 50 or whether you're 90, you're walking through life. And whether it's from a friend in the backyard, like Laura said, Daniel Casey Snyder helped her, or whether it's somebody who attends church like you are today, or whether it's something else, you're living your life, and you become, or you come to understand, wait a second, I have sinned against God. Maybe you started reading the Bible and you read that it said you shall not lie, and you've lied before. But you've come to understand that you have sinned. You acknowledge you've sinned. And then as you begin to think about it, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, convicts you of it, and you, you're unsettled about it. So it's not like a, wow, the Bible says don't lie, I lie, huh, okay, nobody's perfect. Not that, that's, 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 that's an acknowledging, but that's not a conviction. It's the conviction of, this is a problem. I'm not, I'm not right inside of me. There's, there's something wrong with me, I can't get past it. 
Many people I've heard of say they couldn't sleep that night when they came to feel the conviction of sin. They tried to sleep it off, but they woke up the next day going, I'm still bothered by my sins. God says not to do something, and I'm doing it. It bothers me. That's the conviction of it. But then the third thing I'm saying is you must turn. You must say, God, forgive me of my sins and help me now. And then you turn away from it. So your life's going this way. You acknowledge your sin. You're convicted by it. It bothers you. You say, God, forgive me of my sins. I'm trusting in Jesus, what he did for me. He died for my sins. And now I'm turning away from it. I don't want to be a liar anymore. I don't. I don't want to lie anymore. God hates that. I don't want to lie. I want to change my life by the power of God and turn from it. That is what repenting is. We just sang in that good song, my Jesus, I love thee. If, what a quote. If there's ever a time I love thee, God, Jesus, it's right now. What a great quote. I hope that's the case for our church. April 17th, 2016, First Baptist Fairdale loves God more than we ever have. Wouldn't that be good? Should be the case, by the way. Wouldn't that be good? What is repenting? Repenting is acknowledging that you've sinned against God and then going to Him for forgiveness. In that song we said, For thee all the follies of sin I resign. What a good line that, that, that uh, Holly sang. What is repenting? It is being mindful that we are doing what God, our Father in heaven, tells us not to do. And then responding to it. Now, I already said it in my four points of the gospel, but I want to say it again. Repenting of sin, what is repenting of sin? is repenting of sin. And by that I mean all sin. So, you may have grown up, never gone to church. You may have had a mom or a dad, or maybe not had a mom or a dad. You may have grown up and there was very little influence of, of good in your life. Bad company corrupts good morals is your story. And so you've done some things that you hate. You've got a past that you're not very proud of. For you to come to God and Jesus, you have to repent of your sins. Not make excuses for what brought you to that point. Not say, well, God, I mean, it's your fault. I didn't have a mom or dad, and there's no reason why I'm that way. No, no, you have to repent of that. But on the same side, listen to me. On the same side, not the different side, on the same side, you may have grown up in church. You may have had so much involvement at church. You may have been asked as a 10-year-old to lead a Bible study to the children's ministry. You may have been asked as a 16-year-old to teach the youth on a Wednesday night. You may have had super involvement, but you know what? It was always works-based. It was always, hey, I've got to, I ought to, mom and dad's proud of me, that sort of thing. That's just as wrong, just as wrong. You may have been raised in church thinking that a guitar in church is sinful. You may have been raised in church thinking that if somebody wears shorts and a t-shirt to church, that's sinful. That's not true. The Bible tells us that all people everywhere now are commanded by God to repent in Acts chapter 17. Now God commands all people everywhere to repent and believe. What is repentance? It is an acknowledging of my sin, conviction of my sin, and a turning from it. When? When do we repent? 
right now. Right now. You dare not wait. You dare not put it off. I'm not asking you when you're going to come forward and make it public and and get baptized and start reading the Bible. I'm asking you when your heart's going to run to God. I'm asking you when you're going to bow down inside and say, Oh Lord, forgive me. Make me new. Change my life right now. The Bible says that if we were to pass away without forgiveness, we would not be saved. Why would you wait? What if you say you're going to do, come to God in faith and repentance when you turn 25 or 55 or 65? And that's just a few years away. What if you die before then? Right now, the Bible makes it very matter of fact, today is the day of salvation. When the Bible says today is the day of salvation, it says do not harden your hearts and say, I'll wait right now, today. I don't understand on so many levels, I don't understand how so many of you all will hear me say, turn to Jesus right now, and then you won't. I mean, I understand on a deep biblical, spiritual, I know your heart level, but on on, on a need for you to respond and get right, now is the time, right now. Where? Where do you repent? I love this answer. Wherever you are. Wherever you are. You don't have to go home and wait till you're sitting there with mom and dad. You don't have to even come up here and tell me. You definitely don't have to go find a man and tell him so that he can tell God. Right there where you are, you bow your heart to him. Say, Jesus, I know you're Lord. And you died for my sins, and I have sinned against you. Forgive me of my sins. Right there. Right there. Now, wherever you do it, you eventually got to go public with it and tell somebody so we can help you, so you can get baptized, so that you can begin growing. But there is no uh, prescription in the Bible about where you have to be in order to get saved. Not at all. You don't have to be in this building at all. Who? Everybody can. There's no distinction among people. What? You acknowledge your sin, you're convicted of it, and you turn from it and embrace Jesus. When? Right now. Where? Anywhere. Wherever you're at. Lastly, why? Why? This is the way and the only way that God has designed it for people to be right with Him. Y'all, I believe that with my entire backbone. I believe that with everything that is in me. The Bible confirms it. Apart from faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ, as the one who the Bible says died on the cross and rose from the grave, there is no salvation. None. If you will not repent and believe, you will face God in judgment and go to hell. And that should not be the case. God, in His love, has in His great provision 
brought you to a place right now where you're hearing very clearly that God sent His Son Jesus in His love for you to die for you if you will repent and believe. The very source Jesus came proclaiming good news. And what was it? Repent and believe the gospel. Now, you don't have to turn there. You can just listen, but take notes. Because this is so urgent, because it is so serious, and because I'm telling you this is the only salvation that there is, the Bible does us a huge favor and gives lists of sinfulness for us. For us to see ourselves, for us to see there's no distinction, for us to feel the weight of it, for us to put thoughts to what it is, and then come to Him. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 21. If you can turn there quickly, I want you to. We're running out of time. I just want you to listen. Mark 7, verse 21. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. Everybody see that? It's not just breaking the law. It's not just murdering somebody. Sinfulness is a part of all of us. His first thing in the list here, evil thoughts. Next, sexual immorality. Anything at all, anything at all outside of a man and woman being married is sexual sin. Any sexual activity outside of a man and woman being married is sin. Any of it, any of it, any of it, right? And I realized that last night was the prom for the high school. And every single high school kid that after the prom went and hooked up with somebody like it is kind of known to do, it is sin before Almighty God. And the only answer for it is to repent and believe in Jesus who died for their sins. And I love those kids. And y'all know that I love those kids. And I can't wait to hang out with them again. And I'll be very cautious and wise and loving in when we ever talk about that, if we ever get to. But they need to hear that. That's the only answer. And we're kidding ourselves if we think that it's just okay and that they're just kids. That's only the second thing in the list. Evil thoughts, sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Hey, sometimes it's the bad teachers, and sometimes it's the bad parents, and sometimes it's the neighborhood you grow up in. But let me tell you here today, those things are just helping what's inside your heart come out. That's what Jesus is saying right here. Let's turn over to another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, starting in verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 11. And such were some of you. This is never that's them. Never. That's us. He's writing to the church. He's writing to Pastor Josh Green. And he's saying, Josh, you are a sinner. You need the good news. Repent and believe. 
Next one, Galatians chapter 5. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries. Let me stop. Fits of anger. What dad or husband have you ever met that does not struggle with fits of anger? Ever. Every dad or husband I've ever met struggles with fits of anger. Some on a large scale and some on a small scale. It's a sin before God. Why would we point the finger? How can somebody point the finger at a drunk or a foul mouth or an adulterer when I know how much fits of anger is real and hits home or pride? We're all sinners. There is no distinction. He keeps going. Lost my place. 20, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. One more, Revelation chapter 21, the very end of the Bible, the very, very end, the last of it, the second to last, the last page, the second to last chapter, the very end, he's setting up heaven. Heaven is real, real, heaven is real. And he puts yet again another list. Revelation 21 verse 8. But as for the cowardly, do you hear that? We are not pointing the finger at people who have the big bad sins. Cowardly. Do you know how many people are cowards? The cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars. Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Why, I'm asking you, going back to the source, why in the world would there be that many lists of people and the characteristics of sin who are not in the kingdom of God? Why? So that you would know that it really is good. So that you would not say, over here in the clouds, I don't think those things are that bad. I don't think those things are sin. Y'all, every time I sin, you should remind me, Josh, that's awful. And every time anybody sins, we should know it's awful. But you know what? Greater love has no man than this, that God would love us in our sins and send his son Jesus to die for our sins. Jesus came proclaiming the gospel. Repent and believe the good news. And if anybody, anybody here, anybody you know, anybody anywhere will say, I believe it. God will take every single word in that list, every one of those things, and God will forgive us of our sins. 
change our heart, wash us clean, and we will be his child. He will be our father. Let's go back to the source and believe Jesus' message that he is a savior of sinners. Hallelujah, what a savior. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the source in Mark. Thank you, God, for these lists as they help us put uh, basically a tangible list of what we're like in our hands so that I can see that I need to repent, I need to change from all these things, so that I will see I need to hear the message. Those lists help me, help me want to go to Mark, to, to Mark chapter 1 and say, well, what did Jesus say about my sins? Oh God, help us, help nobody leave here today pointing the finger, but help every one of us leave here today saying, God, forgive me of my sins. I believe in Jesus. I repent. In his name we pray. Amen.